How's it going? Good. You ready to start? Am I ready? I don't know. I don't have to be ready. I'm just... I'm the ignorant participant in this particular thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. Because <laughs> I, I know something. nothing about Sir Edmund Martin, except the fact that I respect him enough to call him Sir. I think he was... Yeah, I think he was knighted. That's oh, so 100%. Funny. That's so funny. I didn't go into that, but... Uh, oh, really? You don't no. cover that at all? But the reason why I asked... Well, good, because I know about that. The reason why I asked Gregory to start is I'm going to do something weird. Okay. Okay, you ready? <laughs> I think I can be, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mr. Prime Minister podcast. Right. I'm your host. Weird. Don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. <laughs> it's my first time. Good evening, everybody who's listening right now. No. Good evening. We started again. Are we take, is this takes? Are we doing takes? I don't care. Good evening. <laughs> this is the Mr. Prime Minister podcast. I always want to say Mr. President. It's gonna get. It's gonna take a while, but that's that's kind of the joke. It sounded like you you were trying very trying hard, not. concentrating on that statement, Mister Prime Minister podcast. Uh, yeah, I wanted to do a podcast about prime ministers. Yeah, sue me. You know, uh, I was doing my research on what before grounds? doing this, and there's like barely anything podcast related around. Go our figure. There's Australian prime ministers. Oh yeah, I should mention Australian prime ministers. Australian you can't prime ministers. By our accents. Well, I guess there is New Zealand prime ministers. Mm, I wonder they've been. True. A, they've been. I wonder what if they were federated. Anyway, we're not talking about New Zealand prime ministers, oh, and yeah. we've got a lot to get through tonight. So let's let's just get straight into it. We have to have like a trivia question. Who was it? Who was New Zealand's first prime minister? We got to figure that. Like, are you going to do this the whole way? Our first ever listener has to give me a call on. Let's let you find number. <laughs> All right. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh... Well, I mean, I didn't have to put any effort into this. Yes, uh, my name is Matt. Um, uh, I'm here as a person who knows nothing about Australian Prime Ministers besides the turmoil of the last 15 years. And, um, yeah, I'm just here to, you know, be wowed by Australian political history. But I mean, that's that's why we're here, to yeah. be wowed by Australian political history. If possible. Um yeah, I wanted to do a podcast on each and every one of our prime ministers, and I don't think a lot of them get any sort of um, recognition or appreciation, um, especially the first one, who is uh, today the the focus of this episode. Can, and I, can I just say something? Mm-hmm. I feel like he gets more appreciation than most. You reckon? Well, I mean, who's the second? I knew the name of the first. I think in political and historical circles, there's, there's a far more like noteworthy far more. we'll get into that actually where he ranks um in terms Does of like his, his performance and yeah there's a number of like lists out there for universities and things like that and historians oh. but anyway but um edward barton's interesting because he obviously first uh, australian prime minister um and as we go, as we'll find out, I think kind of like an unwilling participant. I get that impression. I don't get the I don't get the impression he was something he wanted to strive for. He really wanted a federation, which we'll also talk about, um, because he had to get that off over the line before he became prime minister. But he was really just a a vessel to to kind of bring about federation. And once he had done that, he he had taken up the mantle, and and spent a, a little under three years being in the top job. Yeah, and then and then gave it up to become um, a founding justice in uh, the Australian 
high court system. But anyway, we'll get to that. But the reason why we, I don't think he gets enough praise or recognition is that he was like the feature. I don't know if you remember this. This is like back in 2001. This is like centenary of Federation, right? We're celebrating yeah. centenary of Federation. And there's an ad and it was stuck in my head because like there was this ad that went around to promote the centenary and the focus of the ad was like how bad australians are with history <laughs> that's the focus it's like wasn't like yeah well woo. it was like hey uh do you know who edmund bartman is and then people were going i have no idea who that is that so all these sense. australians yeah so they that's were probably like, why we know him that's probably exactly it's the only ad. reason why I, fa- I found out who our first prime minister was is because of an ad about how bad australians are yeah and there was literally in the ad um people go do you know who the first American president was, and they're like, yeah, George Washington. And um, yeah, people were like, have no idea. I could definitely name more American presidents than I could Australian prime ministers. Well, I'm going to change that through this podcast. One, we're, one part of it because time. we started this, we got to get through the the next thirty eight. I was going to say, I can I, do you know thirty thirty one? No, it's thirty one. I think. Well, yeah, we I can't remember. We never clue. I mean, we, I haven't looked up. I've been focused purely on Edmund Bartman, man. I haven't been focused on anyone else. I've been in Edmund Barton world. Okay. But, um, but I think, yeah, uh, it's probably because the reason why we don't like, we don't know who he is, is, is the, that American, everyone knows that Australia's just so Americanized with, with culture. So yeah, he just got lost in the, in, in kind of the ether, but also it wasn't a huge Australian history. We could boil it down to, and I think it's still the same because I've got kids, you know, the the way Australian history is taught in schools, it's it's like it starts. It might as well just start. Oh man, hoons, man. Yeah, hoons. Australian, Australia. Australia. <laughs> um, that hoon just threw me off my train of thought. I mean, <laughs> that's so good. I, I mean, well, I, I mean, had it... to. I had to. He's like, fuck, fuck this podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. so those guys know. are recording in those there. Have mics. Um. What was I saying? I don't even know. Were you, I, were honestly, you listening? I was, no, I was. I, was, I mean, you you were talking. <laughs> um, um, anyway. Oh, yeah. So so in schools, yeah, it's like as might as well... Australian history might as well started like during the gold rush. And then that, like that's all we learn about. We learned so much about the gold rush and bush rangers. And then we skip to the 2000 Olympics, you know. True. like that's, that's where history starts for Australia well, yeah. in a lot of ways. So, um, and yeah, it's not something, I think it's quite dry. I think because, you know, Americans have a lot of bloodshed in there. Yeah, they did War of Independence and they had the, you know, the the Civil War and they had, you know, all the presidents that came, Abraham Lincoln's Civil War, um, George Washington, obviously, War of Independence. And then you have like Adams who came after Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's like, there's a lot more noteworthy people in there because a lot more, I don't know, noteworthy occasions Whereas Australia, you know, what do you what do you have? You got the first, and you yeah. got the most recent, and there's probably like one or two that I can name. I couldn't even name wartime prime ministers. I put a gun in my head, I probably yeah. think of one name, but I can't. Yeah, but anyway, try it, gun to uh, Do it. Name one. There's only like I, two. I can, I can only think of Holt. <laughs> Harold Holt. Harold Holt, who like went missing. I mean, technically, uh, Vietnam. Uh, yeah, maybe. You reckon? I think te- yeah, I think he technically was in Vietnam. Okay. Well, I think we we're right before it either. I can't actually. I don't know. Don't know. Again, look, he... we're, look. I'm not. I'm not an expert. I'm an expert on Emma Barton now. I know that for sure. I know a lot about Emma Barton. I probably know more pre- more prime minister names 
just based on Canberra suburbs than I yeah. do. So yeah, we're we're in Canberra, so it's we're it's kind of like pushed in terms of prime ministers. Yeah. There's a lot of institutions here that's named after them. Yeah, high, random high schools and streets and yeah, streets like parks streets, and shit, definitely, and yeah. whole suburbs. Yeah, but um, I mean, I would love to just jump into talking about Eber Barman, but like most of what he did was before and after his prime ministership, which is so bizarre to me. But he's such an interesting person as well, um, because I think you can relate to him in so many ways. Like he wasn't someone who succeeded politically you know had huge health problems he was known to be a huge drinker and he was yeah. also what does was, that matter winston churchill was a booze hound true as like of the of the time but like when the press were like make it fun of you and also it's like putting a lot of weight on because of it i think uh, i think churchill was like built for it right it sounds like he was just built to drink and and not let him and not let him not not let the drink get to him i guess yeah i think he was uh very much um seasoned but you're talking about Eber Barton had health issues because he was a big drinker and he couldn't handle his liquor? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, historians say that he wasn't like one of the one of those drunks who would you find at a bar. Like he would drink with his food, but he would be drinking a lot. He would drink okay. a lot of wine. It's an interesting. One of those drinkers who doesn't drink at a bar. Yeah. I've never sort of classified them that way. Is that kind of, my, kind of my guy? You know, he's a home drinker, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Had a lot of kids. He was focused on his family. You know, it's it's something to admire. But anyway, let's talk about federation. So, like, to give you a bit of background, I mean, our federation compared to other nations, so boring, dude. It was like basically because of the or the bureaucracy was set up in the colonies. So we had six colonies in Australia right before federation. I know it sounds like you're telling people who may be listening that, but you're actually also telling me. Just yeah. Don't know. Well, we you probably colonies. don't know this. Don't know. Yeah. How many colonies? New South Wales. I'll just make an assumption. Which all the states and <laughs> yeah. neither territories. Yeah. Yes. Pretty That's much. Pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite colony? New South Wales, probably. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, awesome. it's home. I like another thing that we learnt about federation in school is that, um, and this is probably one of the reasons why we wanted to federate, is that uh, we couldn't get the damn trains to connect between the colonies. Oh, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah. The tariffs. The the oh, yeah, the, the rain. The tariffs and the rain. Ex- the this tariffs affected the ra- the rail gauges, and then so the rail gauges were different. And uh, I remember something. There you yeah. go. I can't believe I remember that. That's it's crazy. so funny because like all the founding fathers were probably like killed twenty men like in wars, and then you look at our founding fathers, and they're all like fat, bloated bureaucrats, Br- British <laughs> bur- bureaucrats, right? Yeah. Um, well, some of them, a lot of them were were na- like natives, natural born like Australians. But um, was anyone a natural born Australian until they federated? No, well, they would. No, that's the thing. That's why they wanted to federate because they were, they did have a sense of identity. Uh, And so, like, before that, they had been kicking around the idea for like 50 years before federation, which which was in 1901. It was early as 1842, they had been kicking the the idea around. um, uh, But it was never, it just never got up. Like, either the the British Crown either slapped it down or um, there just wasn't enough of a push to do it. But I think. There was like a bunch of reasons why we wanted to federate. I mean, it was still contentious. There's a lot of people who just didn't care or wanted it to happen. Just didn't think there was like enough energy for us to do that. But there were a number of things that were happening during this time. We came a bit, uh, we wanted to like be the colonizers ourselves. You know, we definitely saw ourselves as British subjects. And it's been, it's kind of like that today. Like we do have this huge connection with Britain um, that still kind of lasts. But we were 
being a bit being a bit sneaky, like in the eighteen eighties, Queensland actually annexed um, Eastern New Guinea back in the days. What really? Yeah, and the, but the UK came down and said, nah, nah, you have to leave. Get, oh, the get colony out. of Queensland. Was yeah, the like, colony of Queensland yeah. was like on their own. Yeah, so off their bat. They think about it, like all these colonies were like their own kind of nations in their own right like they were doing their own things creating their own railway gauges and you know creating their own like political systems and things like that but um yeah so and it, so queensland and then the uk said no don't do that cut it out if you're going to do that you got to federate first like you'd be a real nation don't be like a fucking like backwater colony start like <laughs> going north and just take it over shit so when as soon as they left germany came in and took it over um is that right yeah, but there are another reasons like we wanted we wanted to centralize taxes, uh, we wanted an army to protect ourselves. We couldn't do that without being federated, um, and that's probably the only reason today that people would say is is a good reason to, that we're you know a, like a, a federation. Yeah, okay. um, and trains, but you know, ironically, we didn't fix that until 1997. Like we didn't actually connect train our trains between the colonies, like correctly so you're saying you had to change trains at every border yeah, until apparently. 1997 yeah that's what i read okay yeah the Ridiculous. Gauges, so back then the gauges when they when they were building the trains to connect the, the colonies they found out they they both victoria and new south wales had different rail size gauges on the on the tracks so um they couldn't do it couldn't do it it's hilarious um but yeah, I mean, this is why it's so. This is why Federation is so boring because it, it was like it took a long time. Like, I mean, the six colonies had some rivalries, so it was like a, kind of like a really lame Game of Thrones. Like, it was kind of, <laughs> which I actually don't <laughs> thought like who would win back then because they probably had some sort of like if they were if Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland went to war, that would be amazing back then, like pre-Federation. Queensland's hard to hard to take over. Well, New South Wales, I mean, they're so huge back then. They were massive. Was it bigger than it is now? No. No, I mean, like in, t- in those days, like compared to Oh, yeah, the amount of people that were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I was like, the border's different or something. But, yeah. um, but it was Sir Henry Parks. So you know that name, right? I do know that. So that guy. Oh, yes. Sorry, yes. Continue. So he was, Sorry. he's kind of, and was, and is still is today, um, kind of like the godfather of Federation was really really pushed it but he was he was quite an old man he actually didn't live to see australia completely like finish the process of federation he was quite he was there enough i think that he thought it would happen but yeah he he died um just before it happened but i will will talk about it a bit more as we go on because i got so much to talk about i haven't even started talking about edmund yet yeah i know i mean that's that's, i'm waiting for our um you call him before unwilling to unwilling participant right like, well I, I think he was because i don't feel like you know you get that sense of, from like just looking at their speeches and reading their bios and um reading historians take i i just got that sense like immediately from from him that there was something that he didn't really think about post federation too too much about him like it wasn't an ambition you mean of his yeah yeah, yeah okay Anyway, I um I've got a quote, and uh, this is a quote from Sir Robert Garron. I have no who I have no idea who that guy is. I just put Sir Robert Garron. I'll Google him later. But well, he wrote probably, Canberra suburbs probably named. Yeah, after that's, him. Right, that's right. Yeah, he's probably prime minister. I just don't know about. Um, uh, 
he wrote Barton as a field a field kept fellow for a particular harvest. He was set aside, dedicated for a special task. He devoted to that task all his pent up energies. He completed it. What more can we ask of any man? Um, he he really just he really just tackled a task because that's all he like. Yeah, I think that's, that's what they say. He was kept fellow for one task, and he did it. I mean, he he got it, and he I think he spent his energy, and he was a lawyer at heart. He wanted to be, he wanted to be practicing law. Yeah. Okay. Um, but um, throughout federal, like even though he was accused of being lazy and you know a big drinker, and he still was very popular for the movement of federation. He if it, if it wasn't for him, um, and if it wasn't for Parks you know, Sir Henry Parks kind of giving him the baton to, to, to kind of keep the flame of Federation alive. I don't know where we'd be. Would we, I don't know. Would, would we just be another... We would eventually have federated, like... I mean, we federated in 1901, right? It probably wasn't by a, a very small margin. It was pretty close. Look, I, I don't have the numbers, but, uh, I mean, they had to have two referendums to, to get it over the line. Oh, so one failed and... Yeah, they wrote numerous drafts of the, of the Constitution and... Um, but we got there in the end. But anyway, let's let's get to Barton, man of the hour. Let's get to him. Uh, born 18th of Jan, 1849, Glebe, New South Wales. 1849. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? Nothing in funny. Glebe. Any funny? Anything no, funny? no funny. Nothing funny. You live in Glebe, didn't you? No, I didn't live in Glebe. No, you arrived. Right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're even close, are they? <laughs> uh, spoiler alert: He died uh, 7th of January. Uh, oh, before his birthday. Uh, 1920, while holidaying at the Hydro Majestic Hotel at Medlow Bath oh. in Blue Mountains. Now, yeah, we I do know that. We both yeah. know that. Age of 71. I've seen that uh, um, building from the train several times. Yeah. It's very, it is very majestic. It's, it's very majestic. I would love to go there one day, but um, I just hate the Blue Mountains. Yeah. I don't ever want to go back, so. Uh, he was elected at age 51, in which I looked at it pretty reasonable for, he's probably dead on average for a, an Australian Prime Minister. Not the oldest, not the youngest. Uh, so, yeah, Geoffrey Bolton, who's a historian who I've quoted a lot in this because he had some great stuff, as I mentioned. Uh, and this quote from him, from Geoffrey, um, who said about Edmund, hailed in his lifetime as Australia's noblest son and cut down to size by John Norton in Truth, which was a magazine, as Tosspot Toby. And one of the few, actually, I've just stopped the quote here, one of the few prime ministers to have a nickname. Who? Edmund. Edmund. Barton, Edmund. Yeah, there's only a there's only a handful of prime ministers who had a who had a like a. And what was his nickname? Toby Tosspot. Why so Tosspot. Toby? Well, I think it's short for Ed, like an Edmund. I think Edmund's short for or Toby's short for Edmund. That I really seems like a really bad uh, um, explanation. <laughs> uh, so, but but he was kind of named after. He was called a Tosspot for his love of long dinners and with more than a few glasses of wine and it kind of stuck uh his, his opponents latched onto it as well uh particularly because even after you know it was really nasty it was really nasty because they did it even after he retired it's like come on lay off the fucking nickname. Well, they like they like continued to disparage him with his his nickname yeah what, well, when he finished in office like yeah. he wasn't even he, he was not like he was running again Right? No. Like, he was just like, I'm done. And yeah. they kept calling him, oh, that's a bit shit, isn't it? Yeah. A nastier variant was to- <laughs> Toby Tub, which is a kind of chair referencing uh, Barton's weight and accusations of laziness. Fair enough. Yeah. Could you drink 
or be drunk and still work and still be like productive no fucking way dude i just can't like i i i need to be switched on like my brain operates at like high capacity intervals i just couldn't do it if i was like a little bit doped out of my mind on liquor but particularly not liquor i imagine he wasn't getting drunk on beer either like if i had to drink like scotch i'd just be dead like i'd have one shot and i'd be done for the day yeah um could you i think i could yeah like how many i think i could yeah well i'm like a creative kind of like a like a work like it's like i know a little bit about winston churchill's liquor habits right and he would have like He'd have like a water, a, like it was a no, water, um, water down whiskey, whiskey or scotch or whatever, and then champagne, um, and then yeah, just like tons of champagne. He would drink he'd like, like a massive bottle every like meal, a pint. I think it was like lunch and dinner. Yeah. He'd have a bottle at each time, and then but he'd have whiskeys throughout the day that were watered down with either mineral water or. I mean, that's a good. That's a good way to do it. If you want to get your buzz on, man. I mean, it's. I mean, today, get I your just, buzz on. It wasn't. I honestly don't think these people like these people. We're doing it to get their buzz on. I think it was to keep them even. Like their bodies were so addicted to the substance. Probably. They were just like, if they didn't have it, they got, you know, it was like having a smoke. Like they needed the smoke before yeah. they could get, go to work because that was their ritual. Anyway. Barton, always a diplomat. Another thing I can relate to him. I think I, I see myself as a bit of a diplomat. Could always broker an argument. Um, he, uh, to the point where he was actually involved in a cricket riot and he, um, calmed everyone down well i mean how how rowdy does a it was cricket a respectable get? debut um between i think yeah it was a visiting team of england and and it was a match against new south wales at a critical point in second innings uh murdoch the star new south wales batsman was declared run out by the other umpire uh, inexperienced victorian the umpire was an experienced victorian this is poorly written um so then the riot happened, uh, and then New South Wales refused to play, uh, and while the offending umpire remained. Look, this is how deep the rivalry between Victoria and New South Wales was, was back then. That they, um, the fact that he was a Victorian was enough for them to go, they have a temper tantrum. Right. Uh, like, it's just so so dumb. In cricket, though, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, but... Um, Is second innings, like, very deep into a cricket match? No. No, it's not. I don't know how many innings throw a cricket match. It's pretty much, it's like, probably like, I don't know, the third away in. I, I, I really don't know cricket either, but, um, <laughs> but it took all the Barton's diplomacy to persuade them that they might forfeit the match if they did not resume play. Um, but it was too late because the crowd took possession of the pitch <laughs> and the game had to be abandoned for the day, but he kind of calmed them all down. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, he was a, he was a barrister, trained barrister. He had set up a successful legal practice. Um, and, uh, he had, was a master of like the art of debating. He was like, a, like, I mean, you can relate to this. He, he was like a good debater. Yeah. Interesting. But I mean, like, like where, where do you, where, where does a person debate if not politically? Right. I mean, and you're not in like high school, like where, where did he acquire this debating with, skill with your wife? <laughs> right. <Righto. laughs> I mean, your wife, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're not um, wrong. He was elected in 1876 because he stood for the uh, Legislative Assembly in New South Wales um, in the seat of the University of Sydney. So, like, the back of the day when, like, university, yeah, you could, like, sit in the university seat. Um, 
As in, like, that's a political district? Yeah, like, for, for the colony. But he was defeated. Oh, that's right. So he was defeated in, in uh, that, that time. Um, and then he ran again the next year and defeated again. Uh, so he eventually won in 1879 um, in that same seat, in the uh, university seat. Uh, but it was abolished the year after. <laughs> so he had the to run. The seat was abolished. Uh, yeah, uh, so then he became the member for Wellington for for the next two years, and then and then East Sydney from November 1882 to 1887. In January 1889, he became uh, the Attorney General for New South Wales. Interesting fact, um, about 1889 is the year the uh, Eiffel Tower was completed. Oh, there you go. There you go. Imagine so, that time, everyone's just like Wales, building yeah. shit. And like being better humans and like being not dirty anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I see just the like transition. Really just bring themselves out of the dirt. Something from... so dirty. And, you know, maybe invent penicillin. You're going to have to tell me a little bit about his family. Yeah. So, just he so had I can si- get context, like his whole life, but like, what was his, like he had a wife. And, he had a wife, and kids, six right? kids. I mean, I mean, yeah. Okay. It's the times. Yeah. Um, six kids. Jeez. Um, you know, right before Federation and, and where he had lost a few uh, runs to, to gain seats, he just he just focused on his health and he focused on his family and earning money because he was broke as oh well my at God. some point. But yeah, well, uh, that's a little, a little little tidbit there that um, he, he did go through a lot of hardships to get to get to where he was. Like it wasn't easy. It was not an easy thing to do. And to like also go through all of that and then eventually find that after a couple of years that this is something you really wanted and you wanted something else is very interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't know if I want to be prime minister if they didn't have like, you know, ASIO and yeah. Australian satellites now, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to deal with the like deficit. That sounds like crap. Also setting up a country, like, you know, I deal with projects all the time, small ones compared to setting up a country. And I just can't fathom the complexity yeah right just imagine all the all the documents all the shit you gotta write all the rules all the laws all the like bringing all the cotton yeah anyway we're gonna get to it but geez we're like, gonna get to it would it be would it be would it kill you to get there faster all right all right, all right. i want to uh, he uh i want to tell you all, all the political stuff well let me just put it this way chris um you know i'm not interested in his political career <laughs> right, i want to get to the man well i i want to lay down the law because Laying down the law. What am I? What am I? Edmund Barton. Yeah, what am I, Edmund Barton? <laughs> laying down the law as a AG or the barrister yeah. that he was. Laying down federal law that's not existing yet. Uh, <laughs> Creating all federal law. Well, this that's is kind of <laughs> this is kind of where things change for him. Acting premier, he's up for re-election. Eighteen ninety-four, Randwick loses. Uh, he, for a guy who was our first prime minister, he lost. Ah, shit. Like, yeah, I know, right? He lost more than more than he won. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he lost on average probably, like, and th- two to one. <laughs> and this is the thing. He, he didn't stand for election in, in 1895 because he needed to support his family. Um, and this is during that time where the parliamentarians weren't paid. So he had to go out and earn some money. But it also freed him up some time to do federation stuff. Um, so he just went full ball with Federation. He went to like 300 meetings in New South Wales alone, um, including the, the city suburb of Ashfield, where he declared that for the first time in history, we have a nation for a continent and a continent for a nation. 
first time in history. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was insinuating that it's the first time in history one country controlled an entire nation. Uh, one nation controlled an entire country, obviously, is what I meant. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, I just want to poke holes in that, though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just want to be like... Why? Fucking surely. That's supposed to motivate you, move you, man. It's supposed to be I moving. Mean, maybe back then, where people were dumber. People were dumber then. Like, admit that, right? You know, <laughs> you could, it's, it was like the Middle Ages. You could convince anyone... Yeah. Middle Ages. No, I'm just saying. I'm saying not. It wasn't as bad as Middle Ages. People had more knowledge. But what I'm saying is, you know, I think people were moved easier because they. That's all they had in their lives. I, I, I could feasibly go to the moon in the next twenty years, right? Like, you know, I'm I'm not sure. so moved by it's the so ability cynical. to. Let me ask it's you this so question: Are you moved by the idea of becoming a republic or staying? Yeah, that's true. In our, you're maybe not. I'm just a, no, I'm just Who I'm is? Cynical as well. What part of what part of our society is um, moved by anything? Anyway, but, cynical but side re- was really even people who consider themselves being for the cause weren't nearly as popular as him um, in, in regards to this idea. And by and by you know 1897, and we're getting really close to federation here. Um, he's considered and acknowledged as the leader of the federal movement in Australia, like officially. Ah, uh, um, interesting. Yeah. So he probably wasn't voted for. He probably was just considered the one who understood it the most and put into power. I mean, yeah. like, was was Washington voted for, or did the you know founding fathers just go, yeah, like, if someone's going to run the country, it should be Washington? No, he he was because he had like this affable nature. He was like very very diplomatic, um, very kind of like approachable kind of person. Um, and and I'm really believe and also he was kind of tipped by Parks to become you know that advocate as well. So people kind of did see him as being Mr. Federation. Did I'm gonna did I'm gonna coin that term, Mr. Federation. By the way, he w- he had generated a reputation as the indispensable advocate of Federation, but the press still were nitpicking at him and you know kind of bringing him down to their level. Um, so ni- in 1894, the Bulletin, Blake Bulletin, fucking rag. I, I don't know if it's still around. Um, Probably they, not. They were caricaturing his apathy in the cause. So this laziness kind of came up, kind of came to the forefront, even though he was such an advocate, he's pushing it, going to all these meetings. <laughs> the, the press were like, he's still pretty lazy about it. Like he wasn't really, like, you know, he, he wasn't, really kind of pushing it but i think that's just the press being the press right i mean he went to 300 meetings in new south wales yeah. alone and the bulletin has a has the nerve to that's say right. that he had like apathy for the movement but by the end it says here by the end of 1896 after the bathurst conference because they do conferences they were doing conferences around either drafting up the constitution and getting all the colonies on board and and making sure everyone's on the same page in terms of the founding kind of rules around you know starting even at that conference, it was taken for granted. You know, he's getting all this shit in the bulletin. People were accusing him of being lazy, accusing him of being a drinker. Um, he lost the election, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for his seat in Randwick. He's losing, like, his health and had no money. But at the Bathurst conference, it was taken for granted that he was just going to be one of the 10 delegates from New South Wales to represent, you know, them on the, the issue of federation. But he received ten thousand votes more than the next candidate, 
Look, I, I could talk about the referendums, but look, we the all know it didn't go there. through. So the first one failed. Um, the... We can talk, wait, wait, wait. We can talk about these two referendums if we talk about the referendum that happened when we were kids. I don't know, what, what, but that one's that one's not interesting either. I want to know. I can't remember what it was about. I want to. It was ask about republic. That. Yeah, being was it about becoming a republic? Yeah. Okay, that was my recollection. But I was like, I don't want to say that if it sounds dumb. The, it was, yeah. The, okay, sorry. Two referendums, and they were both targeting the same thing, like both targeting federation as their, yeah, as their goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Barton's come back from the UK, right? They need to appoint a interim government, okay, in between announced federation on the 1st of January 1901 yep. to when they have to hold elections for, you know, the federal so government. The actual government. In March, yeah. right? For, uh, I think it was like in, yeah, March. Sometime in March. So... They needed to appoint somebody to like take care of things, right? Yeah. Um, in comes a guy by the name of John Hope. Who I feel like was I know John Hope. I feel like that's a name that rings a bell. Seventh Earl of Hopeton. Oh. And he was the first Governor General of Australia. Oh, okay. Um, he was appointed by the British government to. Yeah. Appointed by the Queen. His task was. First thing he did, he did, he arrived in Australia, 15th of December, 1900. He, so, he's got like less than a month to figure out who's going to be the interim prime minister, right? In a, in a, in a time period where things move remarkably slow, <laughs> yeah. that, is a, that, is a very, that is a very tight timetable to adhere to. It took him longer to get to Australia, probably, right, yeah. in that time. Yeah. He didn't fucking fly. <laughs> it's so true. Right. So he probably spent a couple of weeks on a boat at least. He would have been thinking about... He, and... He didn't start... He started thinking about this before he left Britain. He didn't know anything about Australia. But I mean... He had nothing. I mean, he knew about the Constitution, right? Like he, he knew that th- shit was going down. Surely he read the Constitution all the way over. Yeah. Hey, mate, you're the first governor general of this new country. This is their Constitution. I'll read it when I get there. No. <laughs> what are you going to do on the boat? I mean, it was like he, Titanic era, so maybe, you know, eat first class and stuff. But I just love this. This is like a really interesting little tidbit. And uh, and it goes to show how, how um, popular Barton was at the, at the time. So so this guy, um, Hopeton. Hope. Hopeton. Was but it Earl was of like, Hopeton? His name was John Hope, but he goes by his like honorary title. I don't think it was honorary. I think it was hereditary. hereditary. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I know a little bit about, his, uh, you know, the... Uh, that's right. The, high, the what do you call it? The uh, class structure of uh, England at the time. Yeah, so it's definitely thrust upon him. Um, knew nothing about Australia or even the political scene, uh, and had no formal instructions from the colonial office about what to do. Really? So, he, so it was all up to him to choose the next leader of Australia, right? What did he just get to pick? Yeah. So, as soon as he goes to the boat, what he does is. I mean, rightly so. He he go, he looks at what other people have done. So I think Canada had just kind of formed their like confederation, and so what they did is they just made the the leader of the biggest colony um, the prime minister or the leader of the country, right? Yeah. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't Barton. He wasn't in any political. Like he wasn't elected in anything. He had yeah, he, he'd he, given up his job yeah. to go to England to talk to the UK about like you a know, quitter. Like what? Like a quitter. Like a quitter. <laughs> he, he he literally lost a lot, got elected a little, and quit more than that. He quit every job he ever had, it sounded like. 
<laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they didn't really. Like they me. weren't jobs because they weren't paying. So, like, I get it. It's a different, you know. Yeah, he wasn't paying. Yeah, he wasn't getting paid enough. Yeah, but he wasn't getting paid at all. Yeah. So, so what Hopeton does is he just looks at the premier of New South Wales, which was William Lynn at the time, and says, "You're doing it. You're going to be the prime minister." Yeah, it's just like just like Canada. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a very controversial choice because this dude, early on, was not like was anti-federation. Yeah. He... So wait, 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 wait! Oh my god! Yeah. He, he picks the he picks the one guy who doesn't want to have to deal with this governor general. He didn't even want this governor general on his land. Essentially, he wanted to remain a colony. Yeah. Essentially, I'm sure this Lynn guy, right? Yeah. He only supported federation at the last minute um, after being a long, strong opponent. Um, and as a result, he was very unpopular with other leading colonial pro-federation politicians, including Barton and Alfred Deakin. Um, so Alfred Deakin. And then, so the Bulletin, i got to mention the Bulletin. Fucking. That rag. That fucking rag. Like, just a bunch of, just hacks, man. They summed it up. Many people's views when they said, uh, among the men who can claim by merit or accident to be front-ranked politicians of Australia, Lynn stands out conspicuously Conspicuously as almost the dullest and most ordinary. <laughs> He's like, oh, burn. What is the like Edwardian burn? Does... <laughs> Was it a prerequisite? You had to be a freaking interesting guy to be elected. Apparently to... with the media, but even back then you needed to be like, cool. You need to be interesting. Inter- that, that in itself is very interesting to me. Like the, the, like the, the, the culture of the, of the, um, of the media in the day. Like, people have just been reading this and being like, yeah, you're right. He is boring. But, like, these people didn't know Lynn. I probably like it. I would... Mm. I, I Don't get me wrong. He, I would love a Trump. Australian Trump. Australian. Like, maybe not quite as crazy. An Edwardian Trump? <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's bring back, you know, Toby... Pompous. Toby... What's his face? <laughs> what was his... What was his... <laughs> Toby... Uh, Tosspot Toby. Tosspot Toby. Like... Hawk was a tosspot Toby. Yeah. Hawk, and if, if, Hawk came was a, if Hawk came into, like, into the limelight today, like a Hawk, yeah. I'd vote for him. Yeah, totally. I'd vote for a tosspot Toby. Oh, my God. It's so true. Because, like, what what would you... I honestly hold char- those characteristics in so much higher <laughs> regard that I hold... Because these it's people have no time. ability, no, no, like, I don't know, no special ability, I mean. They probably have ability to run a country, but no special ability. They're not savants. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm diverging into my own opinions but, on political... So this, political the, saga, the saga is interesting because um, Lynn agrees to do it, right? But was unable to persuade any other colonial politician to join his government. Not a single one. Yeah. In particular, Barton wrote to him, if, you obje- if your object is to ask me to join you... Sorry, it's all Englishy, old-timey like language. That's like hard to... like." Say verbatim. So Barton Barton said to him, if you ask me to join you in a federation uh, administration, it would be of little use for us to meet and discuss the matter. It would be a contradiction of my whole career in relation to federation if I served under a prime minister who had throughout opposed the adoption of by the people of the measure which he is now asked to the the first constitution guardian. I just so expected like, like a, a, I bite my thumb at you, sir. Yeah, you know, kind of Shakespearean. <laughs> so on New on uh, Christmas Eve, ten p.m., he had to go back to 
good old Lord Hopeton and say, I can't Wait, do it. so he right Okay, so my recollection is that Hopeton arrived in Australia on the 15th of December. 19th. Was it 19th? Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to call the... Uh... Oh, sorry, 15th, sorry, yeah. Oh, look at that. 15th. Look at me go. So he arrived on the 15th, and on 24th, not even 10 days later, he he, he got here, he went straight up to Lynn and was like, you're, you're going to be the next Prime Minister. And then not 10 days later, after trying to get every possible political supporter to give him... To help form a government, they said no, and then he had to. That's crazy. That is like again. That is an like obscenely quick turnaround time for the things that we're talking about in this time period. I know, I'm I'm just blown away. It took him fifty years to get this up, and then in two weeks he couldn't get it done. Yeah. So yeah, they. Uh, so he had returned his commission to um, Lord, and then uh, the other pro federalists had to convince. The government, governor general to say Barton was the right man to do it, but he um, wasn't interested in. But he wasn't either. He wasn't. He wasn't elected prime. It wasn't elected official. But like I don't think it really mattered because like the election was going to happen in March anyway. But you want to give it to someone who's actually in the in some kind of, you know, leadership role. Sure. Which he wasn't. But I, Hopeton didn't know. He had no clue. He had no fucking idea who Barton was. Yeah, he was just Imagine taking that. the opinions of some random. Of, of some people of a but brand think, new country. But think about it. It's like every fucking new manager I've gotten every job. <laughs> what? So I it's like, oh, you're in charge now. I was like, that's... That's dumb. You don't have... That, a, you have a single shred of evidence to say that's that they the can intern. do the job. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll give him a go. He'll be fine. Uh, yeah, and then 11 p.m. that evening on Christmas Eve, Barton was given Hopeton's commission. Uh, and he was successful, obviously, in forming government. Um, yeah, on the first of January, nineteen oh one. Oh, because he had to get it. He had to get it done. I didn't think about this, but he had to get it done by the start of nineteen oh one, like by the by yeah, the first so he of January. Was running the interim government, and then he got elected in March. Thankfully, oh, but if right. he wasn't elected in March, like he, who who knows what would happen? But he got elected. They called that the Hopeton blunder. I have situation. heard that. That's a that's a term I've heard before. I've oh, really I've never yeah, heard of it. I've heard before. of the Hopeton blunder. Yeah. Um, why don't we call things blunders anymore? I don't know. What's a blunder? Why do we use French words? A blunder. <laughs> we use, why do we say restaurant? That's a French word. I love. I just love the word blunder. It's like a big fuck up, basically, right? Yeah, but I mean, do you know the do you know the origin of the word blunder? No. Yeah, neither do I. But oh god. <laughs> did you think <laughs> I that? I should do that. Did you think that I? That did? is great. I didn't. I have no idea. But um, there you go. So what happened after he... Um, I mean, he served as the Prime Minister for three years, which is not yeah. the shortest of any Prime Minister, but definitely by no means the longest. Um, but, like, did he do anything? I mean, it was I better say, like, did he do anything of note? I think later well, Prime Ministers are going to ask that question and going to be like, no. Or well, yes. But he probably did. He formed he Australia. Did First thing he did, rousing speech with his ministry... He's described. He described everybody in the room as a cabinet of kings, an orchestra of conductors, and an army of generals. An orchestra of conductors would just be not functional, <laughs> dude. You don't like these like rousing speeches, like these moments, like where he's trying to like you know. I'm. You should also feel the same way as I do. I think about this stuff like I'm too cynical to be roused. You know what I mean? I, I don't like a cabinet of kings. Oh, he's got a nice uh, flourish there, dude. Hawk. 
gave some rousing speeches. Dude, no, go into work tomorrow and tell you like your underlings go. You guys are my cabinet of kings. They're gonna be like this guy. You're an army of you're an army of. They probably already have similar thoughts about me without me saying these things. No, I mean like the first thing he did was, uh, and I alluded this before. The first things he did, he, first thing, first one of the first things he did was uh, establish the white Australia policy. He did, yeah, his ministry did, yeah. He they, did. they formed, but I mean, like, the, how supportive was he founding, personally? One of the more, one of the one of the, the most longest, one of the longest lasting kind of pieces of legislation to exist in Australia to the point where it was still factoring into like the seventies in Australia. Yeah, it was a button stated the doctrine of the equality of man was never intended to apply to the quality of the Englishmen and the Chi- and the Chinamen. Oh. <laughs> Wait, Englishmen? Yeah, of the I Englishmen mean, so, and the Chinamen. Okay, so I mean, this is no by no means me supporting it, but it, when you say Englishmen and Chinamen, it's kind of like they kind of the terms aren't the they're not equal. Chinaman is definitely a racist term oh, yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he was probably using it in a non. This is gonna sound really terrible. I'm not supporting racism at all, but like you say, Englishman because he's from England, and you say Chinaman because he's from China. He, they're the same term. Don't get me wrong; it's taken on it, you know, a very racist tone. Yeah. Over years, if not even then, but it just sounds interesting to hear them said t- together. Yeah. So, basically, what this meant was anyone getting off the boat that didn't look like they came from Europe, had to take a test. What does a person who comes from Europe look like? I mean, like, what, what, Chinese. what is Europe? Anyone from Asia, man. It's or just if like, you're Pacific Islander or Asian, you're not, like, you're taking Pacific a test. Pacific Islanders coming over in this Well, country? yeah, they were, were importing a lot of them to work in sugar cane. Oh, importing yeah. a lot of them. Like, yeah. we talked about them like tools. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of were. Well, I mean, back like then that. they probably were. You're right, yeah. But they had, so people had to pass a test. And they needed to write fifty words in any European language, Australia. But that's what he established. That's all I've got on it. Okay. Did he do anything like? But yeah, he 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 went to the King Edward's coronation. So he travelled to UK for that. But uh, they delayed it for three months. So he's stuck over there for three months. So like, <laughs> our country was so run like, by somebody like in six England. Months. He was oh stuck. Oh my god! In, in like UK. the nineteen early early nineteen hundreds. So, trying to run a country from the other side of the world yeah by post i don't even want to send something in the post now so when you think about it like yeah he did <laughs> he didn't do a lot but i mean he also established the high court of australia i think that that's got to be something i mean he was a lawyer at heart and he did go on to become one of the founding um justices of the high court once it was established so well, oh. he, he left his so he established it in in a way that he would like to like to be a part of it yeah and then went and became the head of it i don't know i don't think he was the head of it he was just one of the founding ones i don't think he was like the main dude his legacy um and this is really interesting and again it goes to prove how forgotten he was so an obituary in the city morning herald stated that his work will last as long as australia remains a nation however <laughs> Barton's grave in Sydney South Head Cemetery was forgotten until the 50th anniversary of Federation. The site was located after a local resident wrote to Robert Menzies about it, and a wreath was laid there by William Hughes, uh, another Prime Minister, spoiler, uh, uh, the only living member of Australia's first parliament. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, so... Um, that is a bit sad. It's so sad. 
Because I like, I wonder where you know. It feels like he he drew a little bit more respect than you know. Than the, I mean, you you know, we federated. He was the linchpin of that federation. You know, besides, um, who was the guy that like pegged him as the. Who was the guy that held the torch of Federation before? Oh, uh, Parks, yeah. Parks, yeah, before Parks came along. Um, so after Parks, he took, he took, you know, I'm sure Parks is commemorated somewhere. Yeah, was well, a town named after him, man. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, the, the dish. Um, but yeah, like, it just seems so lackluster that we would sort of have, not have that, um, to have that sort of commemoration of him from mm-hmm. the beginning... But I guess, see, the thing is, like, it was very... Like you said, it was like... He was Hopeton's there. blunder pretty much led him to him being Prime Minister. Like, it was him almost as close to picking names out of a hat as you can get. Yeah. Right? I mean, he wanted to be Prime Minister. He wanted... I mean, I think he, he definitely wanted it to happen. Whether or not his heart was completely in it. Yeah. I think... I, I don't think it was there. I mean, I think he was reluctant in a way that... Uh, he wanted to, to try to like this is probably just a stepping stone I write like weirdly to, to what to his like eventual goals of being a uh, a, a justice a and, justice um so yeah was he any good I mean like is this is this the rating now yeah because I was gonna suggest a thing about this rating system is that you know we should have started at the worst prime minister. <laughs> no, like, she's going to be like, "What did he do? What, wh- why was he the worst prime minister?" And I could say he because the very much the vast majority of these prime ministers have been women, and we know that. Oh, sorry, have been men, and we know that Julia Gillard can't possibly be considered the worst prime minister. No, and if we said that, I don't know. I think we'd be cancelled instantly, <laughs> even though it's like unequivocal that she may have been, but it's not. She's not. She's not even anywhere near the bottom five. But there, but there is there is consensus on the worst prime minister, and I won't spoil it. And also, I forgot his name. But there is there is a lot of consensus of that. There were there is one prime minister in particular, um, who just did such a bad job. Anyway, Barton. Uh, so I've got a number of rankings over the years, where where he's kind of, where either a, a newspaper or a uh, university have kind of ranked him, on with some sort of. Uh, some sort of requirements. I don't know fully, but I'm just going to name. Like to know what they are. But anyway, we'll... so Canberra Times did a poll in 1992. 92. And he, yeah, he was ranked 11th. 11th. Best oh, prime best. minister. Yeah. Um. So not great. So mil- very middle, much middle of the road, almost probably right there in the middle at that time. Um. In 2001, Finn reviewed the same thing. Did a poll. They ranked him 13th out of. All the, all the prime ministers there. Monash University in research in 2010, in a research, um, yeah, research paper. He got 10th. And then again, they did the same, they kind of redid the same research 10 years later in 2020. He got 10th again. So he's kind of very middle of the road kind of guy. And then one of the, I think one of the most recent, again, uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald, he was ranked 15th. So almost... Dead set in the middle. Yeah, what's with his name? We talked, we touched on this. So Edmund, Edmund, particularly Edmund Toby Barton. Um, it's a name derived from an old English element's "ed," meaning prosperity or riches, and "mund," Edmund, which he didn't really have, meaning protector. Of. So protector of prosperity, I guess, kind of fits protector nicely. Protector of the white people. 
Yeah. That's all I can focus on now. Like, it's like... Protect the white people. Like, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's such a... I wouldn't say it's... I mean, it's definitely tarnished a little bit, right? Like, if people yeah. knew about that so widely... Do you think people know about that at all? Like, do you think that's a commonly held understanding that he that our first ever prime minister i think so one of the first acts of this federated nation was to implement a, a racist bill but everyone wanted it like that's the thing it's like one of those things it was just this, that part it's, of the times right like are you saying it's like government acting on behalf of their constituents yeah and it's not really the government's fault the, they were at a very interesting time where they wanted to create a national identity and they didn't want to do it with migrants that weren't from the same place they were. And they were from the same place because it was very, very recent, you know, like they, they knew where they had come from, you know, they still had ties with those, the old country, you know, like very strong ties. Yeah. And it's like a common, it was a commonly held belief of probably like every white country. Yeah. But anyway, moving on for the white Australia policy, he was our first prime minister, but yeah, uh, no one's perfect. <laughs> and because this is a podcast, I'm gonna try and end on this every time. What would he sound like? Apparently, we might have an idea what he sounds because we don't have recordings of him. So, but so, but they say based on the time in which he lived and social status, it's likely Barton would sound more English to modern ears, which is obvious. And so would Alfred Deakin, um, but he had more of a baritone. But yeah, I like that rich, medium pitched. Beautifully modulated. What would that well, I wouldn't like? be surprised if he was like, it's like high pitched. So he's fat. Do an impression of him. Go. He's fat. So he's fat, high, <laughs> high pitched. No, sorry, medium pitched, beautifully modulated, and rich. So it'd be like a. My council hello, of kings. Like yeah, my mm, modulated. My I have a modulated. Grows. <laughs> I'm thinking of a Colin Firth kind of voice. Like Colin Firth from The King's Speech. Yeah. Colin Firth. Yeah, kind of. And well, like I mean, a bit... his voice in that was part of, you know, he, it was the lisp. It was the lisp. He, there's a movie about a man who had a speech impediment. Does, Colin, <laughs> does he have a speech impediment? Yes, he plays a king who can't speak. Oh, well, he plays like, was it King George the Fifth? Oh, sorry, fifth? I thought you meant, I thought you, I thought you said King's Men. <laughs> King's I was like, oh, no. Does he yeah, no, lisp? no, no, you're right. Yes, King's, the King, Kingsman. He's a lot of king King's related uh, yeah. roles. They're the king's speech. That's why. Yeah. Anyway, hilarious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, that's Barton. That's Barton. Anyway, <laughs> I think note. the next one's going to be interesting. Alfred Deacon. He sounds like an interesting dude. Don't know too much about him. All I know was that he's very spiritual. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh man, so I wonder how much fact. that pops up in the. I think it pops up a lot. He. Uh, th- 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 I think it came into it like he's conscious thinking and and uh his decision making but we'll get to it some other time church of england though do you know no dude like spirituality as in like ghosts oh <laughs> yeah okay um okay <laughs> yeah so alfred deacon till yeah. next time yeah all right man thanks for uh thanks for joining me on uh the mr prime minister's podcast <laughs>